Welcome to Meet, Act, and Part. A Masonic podcast hosted by Midnight Freemasons. Greg Knott, Darren Larners, Todd Friesen, and Bill Hosler. Welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. I'm your host, Bill Hostler. Hi, I'm your other host, Darren Lehner. And tonight we're going to, it's going to be Darren and I, we're going to be grilling our guests by, by ourselves. Greg could make it, and we hope that next episode he'll be here. But tonight we have a really special episode, and it's what I've actually been looking forward to for a little while, because this man and I, we have this. We have a lot in common, <laughs> and what we who we have here is um, another uh, regular contributor of the Midnight Freemasons, Brother Ken Stadinsky. And I know I probably butchered that, but I think he'll forgive me for it. Oh, great! Great to be here, <laughs> Brother Stadinsky. He, among other things, being a writer, and he is also a Masonic webmaster. Something that I've had about almost twenty years of experience in too. Ken. Tell us about your Masonic history, a little bit about your life. Yeah, it's funny because I always tell people that I was always a Mason, but I didn't know it until about about 10 years ago, or uh, I think it actually would be uh, nine years ago now. My Masonic journey, believe it or not, started more with my wife always wanting to be a member of the Eastern Star since she was a little girl. She was inspired by Laura Ingalls Wilder and so forth. And so she was always pushing me to become a Mason, something I figured, yeah, I'll look at this someday. It sounds interesting. And then the circumstances arose where I was able to sit down with someone who was eager to talk about it, and I was eager to listen, and she put the coffee on and said, stay up as late as you want. So from there, I you know explored the journey and realized that uh, these were the kind of people with the values that I've always found dear to me, uh, and to be around other people like that was uh, was something I wanted to explore. And of course, I also love tradition. I love the idea of ritual. You know, I love symbolism. Uh, culturally, esoterically, and otherwise, historically. All those things just uh, intrigued me, and so I kind of never looked back. But it really was about the time, again, becoming being raised in 2012. Around 2014, there was a, uh, a, a town hall, so to speak, for our Masonic district, the, the Erie Districts of New York State. And the uh, Grand Master Williamson, who was the senior grand uh, warden at the time, I believe. He actually uh, was talking about what needs to be done locally and so forth and, and said, we need somebody who can has these skills to do a website and all this other stuff. We need to start using this technology. And I did the uh, what might not have been the smartest thing in my life. I stood up and said, well, I own a web development company. And <laughs> sort of the rest kind of became history from there. Uh, I ended up doing the Grand Chapter website for the Royal Arch Masons in New York State, before I was even a Royal Arch Mason. And then at one point, the Grandmaster, Thomas, and then then Deputy Grandmaster Williamson, apparently they had a chat about having someone take over the website that had been neglected somewhat for New York State itself, nymasons.org. And, and uh, I don't know if I, if I recall the details of this correctly, but it seems that they both had someone in mind for it, and both people happened to be me. So I ended up being conscripted into, well, I, I didn't even know that I became a member of Grand Lodge by being on one of these committees. 
actually didn't even know I was on the communications committee. I thought I was just doing something to help the craft in a particular way. So I ended up uh, kind of thrust into the depths of Grand Lodge. And when I describe what I do there is I'm the janitor. I kind of have to know everybody and know what's going on. People come to me for a lot of little things. And my job isn't particularly important unless no one does it. Because that is the nature of housekeeping. It's not all that important unless no one does it. So when I say I own the web development company, it's been now over 20 years that I've owned Contropolis Internet. And I started out, well, I started out never thinking I would be a business owner. My degree's in philosophy, actually. Well, I started uh, when, the, when I discovered the web back in 1996, and I started uh, playing around with website software. A friend gave me, I started making websites for community organizations and, and so forth that, uh, that needed that sort of thing. But it was a hobby. It was entirely a hobby. And then it wasn't until really uh, people were started throwing money at me to do these things that I realized I need to step up and do this professionally, take it seriously, learn what it is I'm really doing instead of just playing with it, of course. And uh, so from there, it became the primary source of income, the thing that pays my bills all these years. Um, and But it seems these last few years, more and more, I've taken on more and more projects, some gratis, some not, uh, at least to cover my expenses, you know, for Masonic organizations. So I, I'm actually the webmaster for a number of lodges. Uh, some of them I only provide, I only do the setups and I provide the hosting, but they actually do the management themselves. And I also host for other people who build Masonic websites and so forth under the subname of Masonic Digital Trust, MasonicDigitalTrust.org. When I became the Grand Lodge Webmaster, which is not a real thing, it's just a kind of something that people describe me as, a number of things happened. First, everybody assumes I have everything to do with technology, and they ask me questions of, that have nothing to do with me, and I have to tell them that's not my wheelhouse. Uh, you know, whether it's the, the system that we use for keeping track of, of lodges and members or whatever, uh, everyone, again, thinks I have my finger in every pie, even though I may kind of hear about every single little detail. And what happened was, though, I decided that if I'm going to do this, I wanted to make it something that was that brought real value instead of just being a contractor who happened to be a brother, so to speak. So I ended up going on a tour with the deputy grandmaster, again, at the time it was Williamson, uh, all over the state promoting technology, encouraging lodges and districts to uh, be on with the times, to have them understand the role of technology, and obviously the limitations of technology. You know, being a, a time-honored society, we have timeless values, and uh, there are a lot of things that shouldn't change. There's a lot of things that are very human, very personal, that technology cannot do, and then there's things that technology can do ten times better than the old horse and buggy way of getting to luck. Uh, so, at some point, I started writing articles for the Empire State Magazine, the quarterly state magazine for the Grand Lodge of New York. I don't know why they gave me this space, but I do put in my two cents and talk about different things. And sometimes I get away with talking about things that are a little more esoteric and a little less technology-oriented, but I try to bring the, the topic connected there. Uh, people seem to enjoy it. And uh, every now and then, it's kind of strange. It's uh, being the Grand Lodge person and having my face in the magazine Actually, it makes me feel like a Masonic rock star because I, I go somewhere in the state and I have people recognize who I am, even though I, it just blows my mind. So it's been kind of a real trip for me, you know, to, to experience all of that. But I always tell people in the end, and, I, and I've also held a number of conferences on communications and bringing other speakers and so forth, uh, a number of them across the state over a number of years to try and help people with technology and so forth. And I've always tried to say, in the end, my gravestone should have a square and compass on it. It shouldn't say the web guy. 
And I have a fear that someone who is in technology, who serves the craft, could be pegged as being that guy. When in fact, I'd really rather be a brother in the end overall. So even if I stop doing the web stuff altogether, uh, my masonry, I honestly never thought that, that my Masonic journey would intersect with my profession at all. I never intended for that. Uh, I'm glad it did in the sense that it opened up a tremendous amount of people that I've been able to meet and, uh, you know, get audience with and so forth. Uh, but in the end, in the end, uh, my goal is really to just be a good brother. Everything else is frosting, and that's what I hope I can bring here. The one thing that I, we talked about here not long ago was is that how you and I have both kind of done the same thing is that we end up seeing a Masonic website that hasn't been updated in a while and may still have the spinning gifts. And we end up becoming, and we pick these up, and, you know, we're kind of like, kind of like strange animals. We pick them up, and we kind of take them, we bring them back to life, and we kind of help them move along. And maybe sometimes somebody else will adopt them or we'll send them to a good home. And sometimes, you know, we end up taking care of them until they run their course. And how did you get into doing that? I mean, I realized that, you know, because you were working with the Grand Lodge, that you ended up doing stuff on that level. But how did you end up just taking other people's websites and doing it, too? Did they just kind of thrust them up on you? Or did you just see one that was, like, sitting there and hadn't been updated in five years and says, hey, would you like help with that? Well, I, I never jumped on giving myself uh, additional work if I didn't have to. <laughs> so I, I, I don't actually hunt. Uh, I have to say, the main reason I don't hunt around and find websites that, that need updating and offer my services is because uh, it's, it's stepping on toes. There, there, are, there are a lot of brothers that spend a lot of time to build websites that should not exist. Uh, they would, might have been fine for the 1990s. You know, they could have been a computer science engineer, IT guru, or whatever, but something happened along the way where they, they never realized 2.0 happened, or Web 3.0, as they call it, Web with, with mobile accessible sites. And so there are a lot of sites out there. Generally, people come to me because they want to start fresh, or they don't, or they don't have any web presence at all, and they need. I don't find old websites and try to rehabilitate them. I don't think old websites, especially if they're really, you know, the, again, with spinning gifts and all that stuff, and and tables where you can see all the default uh, lines around them and frames and all that other stuff, you can't rehabilitate those sites. They need to be replaced. And that's tough because when you deal with the human factor, people put time and effort into it, and some of them continue to put time and effort into it, and they just don't get on board with what needs to be done. And a lot of people say, you know, well, this is only for the brothers. Well, it's a website. It's public. If someone goes to this website for this organization, and it's only for brothers, meaning they'll tolerate a design that's painful on the eyes to people who are half our age. It hurts us. It, it doesn't just not do us a favor. It actually hurts us. So, and I just don't find the heart to be able to say, look, you need to get rid of the range. You need to replace this person. I may make some hints on how to improve, but most of the time it's an overall. Either, you, either you're coding stuff in HTML or using a, uh, or you're using a CMS, a content management system. You know, one means when you die, no one's going to want to take it over, and, and they have to figure out what you did from scratch. And the other one is something you can hand the keys over, and if they can word process, knowing B stands for bold, they can manage that. So there's really a, a sharp contrast between a lot of websites, Masonically out there, that are hurting us. Th th then again, like I said, there's, there's a whole variation of how good or bad websites are. But there's a whole class that are just hurting us, period, no matter how much work you put into them. 
They're just not structured modern. And that can't be fixed because those organizations, you know, value the time of the brother who may have volunteered to do all that work. The only time you end up replacing that is when, sadly, when the brother passes on to the Celestial Lodge or if they literally have it ripped out of their hands. I personally have not experienced a transition where I was able to take an old website and just update it. Usually it's, this website's done, we have to get rid of it, we even lost control of it, the person died, nobody has the password, then there's a rogue site floating around, which is a whole other issue, and they come to me and say, okay, we're starting from scratch, we need you to do this, and I I always tell them, I said, I don't need to do this, I can show you how, I can point you in the direction, you may have someone local to you can do it, but if you need me to do it, then obviously I can do it, so I'm not trying to be businessman first. But I have not had the experience where you just find a, a site that needs a little love and give it to it. It's, it's a lot rougher than that in, in my world from, from what I've seen. Well, you're definitely lucky because I've encountered that a couple of times, and it can be done. But And sometimes there is stepping on toes. But then other times, they actually come up to you and say, hey, I see what you did with such and such site. Did you do that for us? And, you know, and then you just got to save the data and just revamp it. And usually they're just tickled that somebody did it for them. And most of the time they're appreciative, but, you know, there's always that one time. Well, well first of all, Bill, I was going to take umbrance with you making fun of my Angel Fire website from my local lodge with the spinning, uh, wearing compasses <laughs> and, uh, and the flames on the bottom. But let's talk about how technology has changed just from the beginning of the Internet and kind of the infancy of websites to now uh, what you called, uh, I guess, Web 3.0 with the mobile site integration, social media, all that fun stuff. What have you observed and what would you say is the biggest mistake a lodge or a Masonic organization could make when creating a website? There's a handful of questions kind of rolled together. I want to stretch, I want to untangle it just a little bit. First of all, I've had to reinvent myself several times, and I don't know if I'm really willing to do that too many more times before transitioning to some other lifestyle, <laughs> but uh, but over the 20 years, you know, uh, the big re- the big way I've had to reinvent myself was with the advent of social media. That changes the way websites are used, period. Now, some of us who remember Web 1.0 and lived in the 90s, we think that these old sites look normal, and we think that we should put content there that makes sense to us, but that it doesn't make sense anymore. With Web 2.0, you end up making social media where the action happens and your website is the foundation to support that generally. It's gotten to the point where it's actually, if you have to choose between having a Facebook page and a website, having a Facebook page for some businesses and organizations actually makes more sense if you have to have one or the other. Uh, Now, Masonically, basically, I've been promoting the idea that every lodge should have either its own website or a page of information on a district's website that represents them if they don't represent themselves. Uh, I have not been a fan of having Grand Lodges create cookie-cutter systems that just hand it out to everyone because, well, we've done that in New York to some extent with the company that handles our, our data, and it resulted in a whole bunch of web pages that lodges may not even know about that are competing with the ones that they purposely built and so forth. But that's a whole other story. To go back to, uh, uh, again, you know, the whole changes, Web 3.0, mobile responsiveness, that means that people are, it's hard to show this without showing you my hands to, to demonstrate this, but people aren't going click, click, click with their finger anymore. They're going rub, rub, rub down their screen and scroll, okay? So that means that even the, even the distribution of content within a site has changed 
to fewer pages and fewer clicks in terms of navigation where you can buy information on pages and there's no such thing as below the fold. You know, the old newspaper expression where nobody reads the, the headlines if it's not in the top half of the first page of the newspaper. Well, there is no below the fold on your phone anymore. People just don't live that way anymore. Although, again, the, uh, some of us old timers, we still think that short URLs are absolutely necess necessary when those days are so long gone. To answer the question about what are some of the mistakes, you know, it, it, this may sound strange and counterintuitive, but the worst people to ever put in charge of a website are programmers and artists. Those are the extremes that you need to stay away from. Programmers will make something more complicated than necessary that won't actually be as intuitive. It's almost like they've, they've inherited the mantle of the engineering mentality in, in our, our culture where you can't make a paperclip without 20 moving parts and it still doesn't do exactly what you want. And that's kind of how programmers are these days. Uh, they may make something technically perfect and whatever, but the real world use is not about, you know, W3 standards or whatever. So, so the artist problem is if you focus it around design instead of content and functionality, that's what you get. You get something that looks really nice but still isn't usable. Ultimately, from my perspective, in my professional opinion, the ability for someone to use it and get the information they want is really the most important thing unless you have specifically a website about, you know, a rock band or something. I mean, in general, if it's about an organization, you need to know why people are going there. You need to be able to give that to them without too much fanfare or making it too complicated either technically or visually. But those are the details of, like, who to hire, so to speak. Oftentimes, they end up saying, well, this person that owns a computer repair shop, we should put him in charge of the website. Again, not a good idea. You do not need technical skills anymore to run a website or to, or to even design it. Uh, it helps. It helps if you're going to do it professionally. But, if, but you could literally have someone with a little bit of comfort find a way or even have someone else set up a website who is technically inclined and then turn over the keys with a very nominal holding the back of the bicycle seat and then basically have the secretary, even if they're 100 years old, as long as they know how to work process, they can probably figure it out and get along to to manage a website. So so we don't need to count on the geeks, so to speak, as much as we used to. Uh, but times have changed. You know, there's, there's so many things you just don't do anymore, but sometimes you still see on, on websites. And, and that, I've actually made a list. I'm not going to bring it up here, but it's, I have made a thing called Webmastering the Craft. It's a free download on wmymasons.org. You go to the bottom of the Webmasters page, and there's a thing you can download that. I actually even turned it into an entire book called Webmastering the Craft, which you can pretty much find worldwide, and you can Google that. But uh, it talks about all the different things to avoid, and a lot of them are real common sense to us because we know the new web, how it works. But there are still people using best viewed in this particular browser or uh, how many hits you have and guest books and all kinds of weird things that you just don't do anymore. And, and again, there's so many brothers who, who are so devoted who still use these old ways of doing things. You know, they're still basically making websites with bell bottoms and wide ties. And they, they can't see what's wrong with that. Uh, but, you know, they're well-meaning. They, they still function enough for the older members to not really care. Uh, but at some point, we have to improve that. And, and I've actually worked with, to be honest, I have worked with a couple brothers who are the, I call them the Dossasaurs. <laughs> okay? I have actually worked with a few of these older brothers who do these, still do these old-style uh, designs. And I have encouraged them and helped them to kind of graduate 
to a modern CMS. You know, they have to uh, fight the urge to hack into the code and mess it up uh, because you're really not meant to do it that way anymore. Uh, but if they can uh, if they can learn new tricks, the, these tools are, are available. And I would say every lodge – here's the thing. Every lodge needs a web presence of some kind. And from my experience, and this is not new. I mean, people think, oh, the web is new. No, it's not new. Uh, it was The web was new 20 years ago. A whole generation ago, the web is new. Uh, now we have more than a generation of people who don't remember before the Internet. They have no idea how long. That's like talking about electricity as far as they're concerned, uh, of it being a new thing. And then even 20 years ago, someone said, when I built the website for a fraternal organization, uh, a cultural one, someone said, Oh, we're in the space age now. I'm like, the space age was the 1960s and 70s. What are you talking about? <laughs> so we obviously have a different perspective on what new is. But right now, websites aren't even as important as they used to be. Social media is important, but a website is still very, very valuable. And uh, But you have to have some web presence. The only, and this is what I say to people, and you have to listen to this very carefully, the only lodges that do not get candidates regularly through the Internet are the ones without a web presence. There are lodges in our jurisdiction, and I've heard elsewhere, where 100% of their new candidates come through through the Internet, whether they stumble across a Facebook page, or they, they usually it's their website, or they're listed on the website of their jurisdiction, their district, or the, or the Grand, Grand Lodge's website. But that is how, that is the main way people, brothers, find, or candidates become brothers is through the internet. They don't they don't talk to the person on the assembly line next to them and they don't uh this is the, the gone of the days where every second neighbor has a scrum compasses on their door or something like that. It's a different world now and people are not going to find out about masonry through their neighbors. It, it's just not the world we live in anymore. No, I totally agree with you. You know, it's in fact in two thousand I want to say 2001 is when I first went on the web to look for uh, masonry. The only reason I picked the lodge that I ended up petitioning is because it was the only lodge in Fort Wayne, Indiana, that happened to have a website. And so I clicked on it, and by just by chance, there was two guys that I had used to work with about 10 years before. And oh my goodness! And so it's like I would never have known that, but you know, or about that lodge or. That, you know, I'm rekindled without them. And I went in and meet them. They said, well, how did you learn about us? Oh, I saw you seen your website. And uh, he was an engineer, so he, but he, he went, yes. And I told him that I'd been, I found you guys on the web. And about four or five years later, after I'd taken over the website from him, I jazzed it up. Because, you know, he was pretty much just basically HTML and a couple other little things. And, and we started getting, oh, we started getting like four or five candidates a month because of this website, and they all of a sudden wanted to start pouring money into this. Oh, oh, this thing really, well, let's really start putting some money into this. So I think, you know, and that was in 2004, 2005. So, you know, it is, just think of how much has progressed since then. Lots that I take care of in Texas, they're amazed. It's like, really, it's nothing because it's, it's like you said, it's all content management system, but to them, it looks like, something that you would have gotten professionally done, but it's dirty little secret is, and maybe I'm giving away my secrets, but if you have access to a, a thing called WordPress, any brother can make this. I was going to talk to you about, you know, and I totally agree that you know, a website's good to have, and I think it's a good way to direct you to social media. And I think 
be perfectly honest, I think they work great hand in hand, social media and the website, and that's the way I try to work it. How do you tend to try to work the social media and a large website or a body, Masonic body website together? I don't dictate plans to them. I'm not the decision maker on, the, on these things, and I don't care to be, actually. I basically just give whatever guidance I can. Every organization is a little different. Their goals are a little different. The way they think is a little different. But there's some general things that, that tend to be really useful. The first thing is, uh, and, and I kind of hinted at this a little bit earlier, and I even tell this to commercial clients. I say, the, the website is your foundation, but you don't live in your basement. The living room where all the parties are held is social media. There, people do not go to websites anymore every couple of days to look for something new unless it's a news site or some other very specific reason. So when you say, come back and, you know, visit us and to see what's new, people aren't going to, okay? Now, so they're going to engage you through social media. Social media leads you to the website where the foundational content is, including uh, very specific information instead of just timely snippets. Uh, so that's what people have to understand, that it's a feeder. And even in Grand Lodge uh, of, of New York, we used it to – there were campaigns done. Uh, Ray Worshipful Menagon actually uh, spearheaded a program to do social media campaigns to guide people into our North Star Funnel, uh, which is which is our, our candidate uh, qualifying process, basically. And uh, it's it's been tremendous. We, we've, we've definitely gotten a response from that, and those are paid ads. Uh, so so you, you, you kind of – Put in so much, you get so much result consistently, and you know how to do that. We've also gotten a tremendous amount of response thanks to the uh, Northern Masonic Jurisdiction of Scottish Rite, who does the, not just the Man of Mason program. They really, they've really taken the bull by the horns and uh, thrust masonry into the public eye much more than it was before, which benefits all the Grand Lodges, including them sharing their graphics and other other materials for us to use. So that's a wonderful thing. Uh, but as far as like what do you do on social media? Well, first of all, social social media, when people say social media, they're talking about Facebook, okay? You can get into Twitter and Instagram and everything else, and some of those are hot at various times and so forth. But in the end, Facebook is still the that's that's the that's the continent uh, uh, on the globe right there. That that's the big big baby. And uh even if some people don't use it, and even if it may be a little out of favor with the with, with younger generations, and we can reevaluate this in ten years. It's still the main thing that people talk about when they say social media. So what do you use it for? It's it's used internally and externally. What I usually recommend, and many people already do without having to hear it from me, is they'll have a Facebook page. Now, this is not a profile, mind you. You don't become friends with a lodge. It's a page that you like and then follow. You have a Facebook page that faces the world. And then you have a Facebook group that is used by its members. Very often a private group, only by its members. So you can discuss and share certain information on both, but sometimes you'll just want to use one. One is forward-facing to encourage people to share that pancake breakfast to all their friends who share it to theirs and so forth. And, and I know that's, that's a whole other story, whether we can be facetious about that, but it, it could be anything. Not, it doesn't have to be pancake breakfast, okay, which is the popular you know thing that we talk about here. But all the other inner workings and things, Here's the thing, and this is important for companies or organizations. A conversation is going to happen about your brand, group, company, whatever it is, whether you like it or not. You may as well participate in it and have some control over it. So if you don't have a Facebook for your lodge, someone will probably create one sooner or later without your permission or knowledge half the time, and then it becomes a whole other issue that you have to either take over, ignore, replace, or there can be 
some this some uncomfortable situations between people to resolve that kind of thing. So the idea is that every lash is some presence. Now, is it is a dead presence better than no presence? If that depends how you use it. If you have all of your website checked back here regularly and it has all this timely information and the last update is four years ago, that hurts you. If you have information on your website that is not timely, but general information, nobody cares if the photo is from an event two years ago because they don't know. I mean, maybe some of the members might know and say, you know, we have to replace that photo and that's fine. There's no harm in that, but there's no harm in it either way. If you have some basic Information that's not time-sensitive on your website, you don't have to pick at it all the time. If you have a Facebook page, either devote a certain amount of time to it or not. Don't just sporadically give a whole bunch of different posts and share a whole bunch of important stuff for, for six months and then not have anything for another year. Either use it regularly or not. There's not a good good uh, point of saying how much. People will get, get used to how much you use it. But consistency is important, and it's also the hardest thing in the world because there might be a new master and a new plan every single year. You know how we try to build the same temple over and over from scratch one year at a time in masonry. So obviously we want to overcome that psychological uh, problem. And a big problem is we dump things onto a webmaster. We expect them to, to build bricks without straw. Here, put this information on the site, but then they don't get the information. We need you to keep this up to date so, without giving them the information. But even worse, they treat them as not part of the team. Sometimes they, they, they want to mentally outsource their responsibility for their web presence onto a brother who may not even be an officer or someone involved and knows what's going on, and that's not a good thing. They need to know what's going on so they can do their work. And so what a lot of lodges do, and it's a big mistake, they dump it on their brother's hands, they don't tell the brother anything to do, it sits there, and then they wonder why nothing's happening, like it's magically supposed to take care of itself, when they don't even talk to the webmaster except once a year to say, well, why haven't you done anything? So, so obviously, you know, there's it's a human dynamic that really drives what you need to do. So I, I'm sorry if I went a little outside of the question you were asking, uh, but, I, I mean, is that is that in line with what you were saying? No, I mean, actually, I think you, you've really nailed the biggest problem in electronic masonry. In, you nailed it right there. Is And I've dealt with this in every lodge, every Masonic body that I've worked with. No one will give you the information. Everybody wants people to be informed, but they won't give you the information. And if they do, it's like the night before or that day. Hey, can you tell tell the brethren to put on your Facebook or send out something that um, at 6 o'clock tonight we're going to be having degree work and it might be supper. I don't know yet. I'll get back to you. Well, how often do people check that, that, you know, they've already got their plans made by that time of the day. Or, you know, well, I, you know, I'm taking the kids to go play pickleball or whatever. You know, that's way past the time. You need to tell, you need to tell them two weeks before that so they can actually plan their calendar. I mean, they wouldn't want to do the same thing. They wouldn't let somebody do that to them. So I think you nailed it. There was one time that I actually, for the local shrine center, I was the webmaster. And I had the biggest issue with that because I was not involved in any other thing, and I might hear something. Well, then all of a sudden, the new incoming potentate says, hey, brother, he says, I got a question. Would you like to be editor of the of our magazine? And I jumped on it. I said, are you kidding? Absolutely. And then I started calling myself the keeper of all knowledge and of all media because then I knew I was going to have every information piece that I needed to run that. And it worked great for the until I stepped down. But if you if you are a master or an officer in your lodge and you want 
people to be informed. You have to tell the people who are running your PR or your website. That There's just no two ways about it. It's just think about that. How would you want to be informed? But I also was, I was just going to say something else, though. I was thinking, you know, we also, we strive now to use our websites, and, and we use those great sometimes. And then we also go up and we use social media to inform our brethren. But there's other things the website can be used for, and it's just been something here in the last couple of years that I've noticed. And I don't know if it's something that's nationwide, worldwide, but down here in Texas, we started it oh, nearly seven years ago, and it's become a thing with a lot of the lodges down there. They're starting to do electronic payments for dues and for dinners. If you go up and you can pay your dues via on, uh, Venmo or PayPal, and so you don't have to write a check, which that's something that the millennials and Gen X love. And I think they're getting a lot more people actually paying dues on time with that. And it works great. And it's, these younger people, that's the way they live their lives. And that's another way that we, we can really step up, you know, because I, when I, I used to rail against, we you need a website. Well, that's, we got, we got into that. And then it's like, well, we need, you know, when the smartphones came out, it's, well, we need to make them mobile. Then I finally got that. And then we started talking apps and things. And now, you know, and that's kind of my latest crusade is apps, mobile payments, and such things like that. But, it, you know, we just have to keep up with technology. And I think this last year it showed us that. I mean, how much have we really grown Masonic, you know, electronics Masonically in just the last year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I gotta be honest. I swear I don't even own a checkbook except for Masonry. Honestly, I, I, uh, I almost never go through checks anymore. I do almost every payment online except for Masonic events and, uh, you know, whether it's dues and so forth. And even some of those I do online. Now, the, the fact is, you are absolutely right. 25% or more, uh, there's been a 25% or more increase in people paying dues on time because of the availability of uh, digital payments. When they, That's what they found in New York State. And I'm sure that's true elsewhere. I've had times where I, you know, I forget. I, I never carry cash anymore. I go somewhere and I'm like, I didn't bring any money for dinner. There's times where a brother will throw in the, the $10 or whatever for me, and I'll just PayPal it to him to make us even on the spot. And, and, there are, and, and I actually have a junior. Uh, there's actually a junior warden in one lodge I belong to that would accept PayPal for the junior warden's fund. And, I'm, you know, I'm assuming he took care of the details of that behind the scenes. But I was very glad to pay. I would even pay more just to be able to do it that way. So you're, you're absolutely right. But here's one thing. When you talk about, when you, when you first said that you're using the, the, lo, the website for other things, there's something in particular I was, I was afraid you were going to get into, and that was uh, the private members section. And uh, do you mind if I talk about that for a second? Right ahead. Member section is fine. Uh, it's one more place for people to log in uh, if, if, if they're not already on social media. So, you know, you can, you can look at that strategically, whether it really has value and so forth. But there are jurisprudence issues with what can and cannot be put online. In, in our jurisdiction, for example, uh, and, I, and I suspect it may be somewhat universal, the, the records of the, the minutes of a meeting, are only visible over the shoulder of the secretary. They do not get emailed. They do not appear in a newsletter, even with the envelope sealed. They uh, they cannot exist. I mean, they can be stored on the cloud just because you put them in your briefcase. And, uh, the, the one is the equivalent of the other, but they have to be protected so that only the secretary can see them directly. The idea being that certain documents 
And again, every jurisdiction may have variations as to what these documents or pieces of information are. Certain things have to be sealed envelopes, certain people don't, things don't. But the point is that there is information that cannot be disseminated in a way where it can be seen or reproduced in any way, shape, or form. And that means that password protected area on a website is not good enough for uh, something like minutes if minutes are held as sacred in your jurisdiction as they are in mine. Uh, the idea is, again, I, use, I call it the over-the-shoulder rule. If someone has something private that they want to make available for the members to know because they have a right to know, but not a right to disseminate, you can see it over the shoulder of the secretary. That doesn't mean you take a picture with your cell phone. Well, if they send it to you in an email or put it on the cloud password protected, once it's on that screen, anyone can sit over your shoulder and see it. You can screenshot it. You can take all kinds of copies, and there's an endless amount of issues with that. Now, it doesn't mean you can't summarize what happened in a meeting for a newsletter and put that online or social media, but you just need to be aware, again, according to your own jurisdiction and their constitutions and the bylaws of the lodge, of course, but you have to really have some fundamental knowledge of what is appropriate and what is not. Now, as far as who is a webmaster, and I don't mean to backtrack, but this is kind of important, you can have one brother build a site, but someone else be in charge. This is important. You need somebody who's going to be on call, who's going to be in the know, kept in the know, and be responsible for one or more channels of a lodge. You could even have someone in charge of social media separate from the webmaster, whatever. But I always say it this way. There's webmaster with a capital W, which is the person who's responsible for what people see. And then there's small w, the person who might provide the hosting services, may design the site for you, or handle the technical stuff. But the webmaster with the capital W is anybody who is responsible for the virtual, digital presence and communication and PR and so forth of the lodge. And it should be someone in particular's job, but they should be recognized at all times as part of the team. So that's just a I'm trying to reinforce what I said earlier with basically saying it's not the guy who necessarily built the site that you call up at four in the morning and say there's something urgent for the site. You should have someone who's who's dedicated to doing that, who is think of them as the point man, think of them as the communications officer, not as a technology position. I hope that makes sense. No, it absolutely makes sense, and that's exactly the way I feel too. But uh, another good reason not to make a password protected site on on a website for Masonically is nobody ever uses them. <laughs> That's been my experience over the years. I did try many years ago to try to make a not so much for the situation like minutes and such, but just like a like a discussion area. I create that so where guys can talk to each other and stuff. And nobody ever went to it. <laughs> and so that's what I learned long ago is sort of like making lodge emails. Nobody ever uses them. Just build the site where it's just you know, people, anyone can see it. You don't put anything secret or, you know, esoteric. Just, you know, things read only. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. When you when you said that some people give you uh, information at the last second and says this needs to be up right away, uh, at least you get some notice. There, there are situations, and I'm not going to name names, trust me, but there are situations where I literally get the message saying, look for this on our website before I'm told to put it on the website. In other words, something will actually go out to the brothers saying, look for something that I wasn't told to even put up yet. I can believe that. In fact, there was one time I was told about a fellow craft degree 
and lodge, and so I posted it for the next week, and then they canceled it and didn't bother to tell me, so I didn't find it out, so I actually showed up. Kind of like a segue. You know, like we said, in the year of COVID, things have kind of changed a lot. In fact, the Grandmaster of Indiana, one of his speeches, said not long ago, he says, you know, he says, I'd like to tell you all right now that you'll say we've never done it that way before. After this last year, it's now officially dead. And I truly believe that, and I think that's absolutely true. With Zoom, with all these other things, we have really progressed. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about virtual meetings, and I'm not talking that they should replace physical on-site lodge meetings. But what do you see would be good tools that we could use in masonry for the membership? In the last couple of years, along with electronic payments, I neglected to say that I started using things communication along with social media, and that is, using mailing lists to replace the old-fashioned phone trees and the old-fashioned newsletters that they used to go out. MailChimp actually has a free mailing list, and you can put up to like five or 600 people on this list. But um, So I think that's an essential tool. What else would you think of that we should start looking at, maybe possibly adding to our repertoire of tools? None, none of this is new. It only feels new because we're forced to do it. In a sense, COVID has the biggest silver lining of ever clone I've ever seen because we're now doing things we should have done. We're hearing and able to physically see on a screen brothers who we haven't seen in 20, 30 years because they're either in another state or they're infirm. Uh, there are people we're communicating better than ever. But, you know, in the end, I've always told people it's not either or. You don't use only this technology, only that technology. You touch all your bases because you can't leave any brother behind. That should be our mentality. That means that some people are going to be reached by email. Some people are going to be reached by phone. Some people are going to be reached by text. And and you have to figure out, you have to realize that not only do you have to use all these modalities, some of them are obviously more appropriate for more urgent things than others. Some things are more appropriate for more seriously one-on-one personal things than others. You know, it's like trying to send a, an email uh you know, to a loved one about somebody passing, that's ridiculous, obviously. And so we have to understand that there's a lot of things in masonry will require personal touch. So having phone lists and phone trees, I think, should not go away. But the general use of them should be replaced by something like PhoneVite, where they're automated robocalls. Some people hate them, some people don't. But that is a tremendous uh, burden off of people. Obviously, you know, email newsletters, I when I was master years ago, I made it a point to have physical mailings because there was still a, a large percentage of, of, the, of the membership that did not have email addresses on the system. Uh, and so not a huge amount, but enough. So I did physical mailings with interstitial email newsletters using MailChimp and so forth. Uh, so you can do a little bit of everything. Some people want more information more often, so you give it to them digitally instead of burdening ourselves. But obviously, if it's important enough, then you will sometimes use mail. Period. Will you Use texts. I hate group texts, but you know what? Uh, sometimes if it's just a small number of people discussing something important and you're on the committee, you know, it's forgivable. Some uh, systems allow you to have the, an old-fashioned style listserv type thing where if you send an email to one address, it goes out to the officers. So the officers can send out a message to all the other officers. There, there's not a lot of harm in that. That can be very helpful. For meetings, more, we, we, we learned this year what the rest of the world, you know, most of the world knows is that most of the things we do in person do not have to be done in person. Masonry, in some of its most important aspects, needs to be done in person. The business meetings about the building or about about uh, 
committees that are of temporal concerns do not. You shouldn't be handling committee meetings in the middle of a lodge session, a lodge communication anyway. So it should be handled beforehand so you can actually do real masoning during, uh, during a lodge communication. And I don't think, I don't think I'm going to get any disagreement, uh, with my brothers here about that. But I guess what I'm saying is, if, if you want engaged officers and other members, you can make them, uh, be much more engaged by using Zoom regularly. I'm not saying for, for ritual communications. I'm saying for, General committee things for planning, for all those things now, we need to step up and, again, do what other countries have been doing in the corporate world and elsewhere. We need to, to uh, have learned our lessons through this, uh, this last year, to start using the technologies that we've always had. There are brothers who we haven't seen in years because we didn't use Zoom when we could have, or, back, or Skype, for instance. There are a lot of families who are now realizing that they can talk to their relatives around the world all the time, using Skype. Well, we could have done that before COVID, but somehow magically it became important now. And so I think that our mentality is now poised for a responsible use of technology where it's appropriate, and I think we as Masons only have to use even a nominal amount of prudence to understand when and where it is appropriate to use and when it is not. I want to kind of talk about uh, not the, the past, but the I think in the next 10 years, and the question I would ask is, what do you, what do you see the trends? Uh, I personally think that you're going to see platforms like TikTok become more important to Freemasons because uh, the generation that is basically probably right behind my kids, and even my kids are a little bit older, but 20 and 13, that's kind of what they're using now. Like you said, I think Facebook is honestly probably not long for the world. I give it maybe another 10, 15 years, but I, I think it's going to honestly go the way of MySpace here uh, sooner rather than later, especially as uh, some of the older generation, as you put it, uh, departs for the Celestial Lodge. So I guess that would be my question. What, what do you see the trends are uh, going forward, and how can we uh, jump on these before their trends start changing? Part of me wants to just say I don't care. I don't Because you know what? I don't care what technology we have. You know, you know, Facebook's short for the world. So is Google. So is the Internet. Sooner or later, these things are going to be displaced by other things. Sooner or later, we're going to have lodges uh, in the uh, you know in the sea of tranquility, and after that on Mars. I mean, and, and these these it sounds ridiculous, but it's not. The, the The point is that being able to communicate at a distance through writing, and then eventually through telegraphs, radio, and all these other things, you know, none of that matters. We just have to understand that there's they're just tools. Whether it's TikTok, I mean, people are already doing probably Masonic TikTok type things out there. But the, but the media, the way it is currently, will only lend itself to certain types of communication for certain purposes. Are there Masonic memes? Well, heck yeah. There's a million Masonic memes. Uh, maybe there'll be, uh, maybe in some of the emoji sets that are being codified, uh, as actual asset sets under international standards. Maybe they'll have a square encompasses in that. I guess what I'm saying is that all things will pass. But we have to be on board with them where we are instead of just like say, oh, well, the web's been around 20 years. Maybe we should have a website now, as websites are no longer more important. Well, you know, now we're on Facebook. Well, Facebook is fading, like you said. 
Well, at least we're using email. Well, email peaked, I don't know, email peaked about 10 years ago, maybe longer. So the point is not what's coming down the pike, because there's going to be things you and I can't imagine. Uh, social media actually caught me by surprise, and I'm a pretty good futurist in my thinking. And social media and its impact really did keep me, uh, keep me by surprise. But the point is that we need to communicate the way people communicate. Not the way we used to communicate, but the way new brothers communicate, or we can't expect them to take us seriously. It doesn't mean our time-honored values have changed. It doesn't mean that we need to water down what we're doing. All it means is, you know, you speak the language we need to speak, and technology is just basically modes of language. So what's the next mode of language? I don't know. I, I always talk about something called the neb, or nebula, instead of the web, meaning that all these different channels are going to sort of merge and interconnect more. Well, just like your cell phone, you can you can do email and calls and texts and Facebook messages and a million other things. You can probably send a fax if you really wanted to from your phone, as ridiculous as that is. It's emerging. It's it's emerging of a convergence was the a term that they used years ago. There's a communication convergence that's going to continue to happen, and we shouldn't need to have a special committee for a website any more than you have a special committee for a telephone because someone invented the telephone. You have to just have a committee. You might call it a, a, a technology committee, but it should be a communications committee that, whose job it is to use whatever the heck is available because it's not about whether something is new or old. It's either people are using it or not, and you have to be on top of that. That's all that matters. I, 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 so, so in a sense, I don't care what the technology is. It really has to do with how we as human beings are going to use it or neglect to use it. I I, I, don't, I hope I didn't dodge your question there. The only thing I can think of, first of all, Ken, I want to thank you for coming on, and I've been I really enjoyed this. It's you know, a topic I love, and a topic one of the few I actually know something really about more than what Darren and Greg know. But it used to be a joke, and you'd see it running around Masonic circles on the web every once in a while. There was a ribbon that somebody was supposedly given. This is I attended a meeting that could have been handled in an email. <laughs> and as funny as that sounds, sadly, there's a lot of truth to that. And we all find it funny, but the younger guys, not so much. And, you know, if we want to continue and retain, you know, retain these people, and we want to grow and still be relevant, we are going to have to start looking at ways to use the current technology we have and currently and continue to evolve. You know, we, masonry was a progressive science until about 1955, then all of a sudden it just kind of stopped. And we need to learn to throw the switch and get it going again. But I think that, you know, we are really starting to do well now. Compared to the way it was when I first started in 2002, we have made leaps and bounds compared to what it is then. I mean, just as an example, the Scottish Pride of Southern Jurisdiction just put morals and dogma on Audible. Who would ever thought of that a few years ago? So we are getting there, and thank you. And this pandemic was a catalyst. I mean, I've been a member of the Scottish Rite Northern Northern Masonic Jurisdiction since 2003, and I, you know, I know it's controversial, but a lot of people don't like them. But thanks to all these um, videos that they have created, I've been sitting there watching them in my own home, right here in Arkansas. Texas and various other places, and I've actually seen almost to the point where I'm only 10 degrees away from seeing all 32 of them in the Northern Masonic jurisdiction. I never dreamed I'd even come that close. So it's it's a new world out there, and we're going to have to start 
embracing some of the things that's here and upcoming. I really do want to thank you for coming on here, and I hope you'll continue to come on. And if you have something else you'd like to talk about, and folks, I'm going to put show notes. In the show notes, I'm going to put a link to Ken's book. And I hope that if you aren't a Masonic webmaster or somebody who's in charge of communications for your lodge, that you'll get it and you'll pass it on to a brother who does handle that for your lodge. Because it's very valuable, and I totally agree with everything he says in it. Yeah, Ken, I just also want to thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Some similarity, you said you were a philosophy major. I was political science with a minor in philosophy, and I ended up organizing now uh, Joe Liberal Arts and Sciences, I guess. Uh, but thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your schedule to join us on the Impact of Art. I really appreciate your time. Do you have any final words you'd like to say? I really appreciate you having me on here. Thank you. Uh, and and it's, it's good to, to preach the right message out, out here in terms of technology because it is something that, that seems to be a little behind it in uh, so many of the various corners of the craft. I will be making a new version of my webmaster in the craft book shortly down the line. It's kind of my post-COVID edition, which will have a lot more information on uh, and suggestions for protocols for video conferencing because that's so important right now. And then also uh, some information, uh, or I should say guidelines that were made by various organizations. I've I've kind of surveyed uh, different places of who's been allowing what to actually happen on video versus not on video, uh, and that that may change. That may be the big thing that'll change over time. Uh, I hope I hope that there will always be room for that sacred space that we create in person. Uh, but there may, in some jurisdictions, there already are room for uh, making some of that aspect virtual. But, but either way, it's, it's, we have to decide as human beings the journey. And I'm just glad to be, live in a time when we can, uh, when we can talk about these things, when we can actually look forward and realize that as much as time changes, we have to be true to our landmarks, even if it doesn't mean what we thought it mean in a, in a, in a world that's different from the one that our operative brethren, brethren, even our earlier speculative brethren lived in. So again, I do appreciate your time. Uh, I love I love talking about Freemasonry and every subject imaginable, and uh, it's just odd that my profession of, of uh, webmastering kind of came into the craft, but I'm glad that I can be assistance in that way. Well, we're happy. Just thank you for being on here, and I hope that you enjoyed yourself, and I hope that our listeners enjoyed what they heard, and that they will come back again. And, and thank you for listening to another exciting episode of Meet Act and Park. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Meet, Act, and Part. For more information about our show visit our website at www.meetactandpart.com. While there please consider supporting the show by sponsoring us on Patreon. Until we meet again, may we meet, act, and part.